Welcome to the Circularity Edge podcast, where we discuss the latest news and perspectives on the circular economy and issues relating to social, environmental, and economic sustainability. Join us every week when we discuss what's needed to create a sustainable, circular economy worldwide. Now, here is your host, Ken Alston. Hello, this is Ken Alston with the Circularity Edge podcast. Today, I'm happy to be talking with Stefan Mathis. Stefan is Swiss-born, but lives in London, England. He is the former head of design at Pelicans Group, former senior menswear accessory designer at Rice, and former footwear designer at Kurt Geiger. Now he's the co-founder of VIN, which is the first repairable sneaker brand. Welcome to the Circularity Edge podcast. So I'm Swiss. I am kind of like, I actually, when I got out of school, I was like Switzerland is generally fairly um, conscious, so to speak, to the environment right. and things. And um, we grew up outdoors a lot and things like that. So awareness of like nature and everything was obviously always there in terms of like what we were living and doing. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of learned uh, a craft when I came out of school, so I kind of learned actually like working with my hands and like doing things as an interior decorator. Um, so I kind of build things and upholstery was kind of like things I did. So I kind of even that was kind of like reupholster things and like use like fabrics that are very long lasting because you wanted it to be beautiful for a long time and so on and so forth. So it was basically almost like pre IKEA. Mm-hmm. IKEA was just kind of coming up and like also like big um, uh, sofa warehouses and things like that. And so kind of like, I, I was always somewhat on the edge on, on this thing somewhere. And then um, I did industrial design to kind of, um, because I kind of want to be involved in the process from the beginning, rather than just kind of reworking things that are, were existing. Um, but it was always more in the kind of, um, actually in the interior kind of world. I, I loved interiors and sofas and things. And um, it's obviously a big thing there too. Like, what do you use and how do you like be smart about it? And then um, after industrial design, I came to London for a, um, in reality, it was like a three months <laughs> internship with um, an interior mm-hmm. designer, a Japanese interior designer here, Tomo Kazumi. And she, um, she's like amazing kind of from her, how she, obviously, again, Japan is very, meticulous about like their design process and where they come sure. from what they have for references and it's very it's like it's just it's just really beautiful and what she does yeah, like so even always, just like, their even their everyday packaging is exactly so well formed it, it, and gift giving and, and also like thought through it was just kind of like it's exactly nothing nothing is just kind of like all oh, let's do it on the quick to just like make a buck kind of thing that right right yeah, make this it feels like yeah. Yeah. um so that was beautiful. And then like, I kind of ended up doing um, a project with her for a exhibition in Japan, like a design week exhibition she got invited to and then stayed with her for six months in the end to kind of finish that. And I went to Tokyo to actually build it and like saw it live and things, which is pretty amazing. It was like my first yeah. time in Tokyo and all that. So um, really amazing um, stuff. And obviously the quality and everything was like always beautiful. And again, it was always on the cusp of like, quality or quantity or margin or anything else um, and then the same thing happened with like my first job in, in um, fashion was kind of a footwear company Harry's of London that was at that point a startup it was kind of basically me and the creative director and uh, 
assistant and then kind of like somebody in Italy who was like dealing and producing shoes for us and then the beauty of it was like my boss at that point Kevin Martelli came from an Armani and obviously he had like from the ethos and what it was and what he wanted to build was all about obviously like, a very strong brand sensibility exactly so it was very very much about like it was always about quality and getting into a market with a premium product that's really speaks for itself so to speak and will sell mm-hmm. itself so there was like a beautiful again like beautiful curve to kind of learn and get into footwear really and kind of trying to explore that and, and basically most of the things i know today are back from that time when we really like build a brand and kind of got involved in all aspects of design but also then manufacturing and looking after the, the product and product development and the product cycles and things and, and at that point we were like just doing like really beautiful men's footwear and that was great and um, so i did that for a while and then um, moved on to kind of i kind of wanted to have a bit more commercial environment because i was thinking like oh as a designer kind of like it would be interesting to do maybe different things and so I went to Kirk Geiger and obviously that's quite a big company and it's an interesting, it was an interesting contrast. Like it, it taught me a lot about like kind of, okay, what, what does margin mean? Like how do you like design and do certain parameters and how do you still make a good product, but then kind of look at the other side of the money side of the things basically. It's right, traditionally, traditionally, traditionally people would look at Obviously, the, the main design parameters that you would specification you would start with you cost, performance, and aesthetics, right? The yeah. financial piece has to be there. The performance yeah. it still has to perform as a shoe to some specification. Of course, yeah. And obviously, depending on the brand sensibility, there's the aesthetics of does it look how exactly. we, we want it to look for who we are. Yeah. And these yeah. are the so three exactly. traditional things. But the but the the point of, of mentioning that is which fits to what you were saying is that the environmental piece isn't there, right? Traditionally, yeah. that sensibility isn't in that cost performance aesthetics core equation that everybody yeah. learns. Yeah. So it, it was it was obviously like that too. The, the nice things, I, I, I still knew like I was like working with kind of like nice materials to an extent, still working with Italy, and which was nice. But then obviously we had other ranges that were wholly made in China. And like, mm-hmm. I never went to trips there because I, I worked on the, kind of higher level things so to speak but um obviously yeah you get to know a bit like what differences are and everything and kind of how things are made and and all that so um so that was interesting and then this cost balance and things that it wasn't really again obviously nothing there was no sustainability involved in that sense that you were like oh we really need like material that's you know that has some more credentials or where does it come from how do, how does it end up and all that just yeah that just there. wasn't there yeah exactly so that you just don't do that in fashion normally right um <laughs> it's especially a, yeah. the higher so the fashion the more <laughs> the more that's probably the case right? yeah, exactly was, exactly was back then yeah it, de- it depends on like what you look at and things and then um to move on to reese was kind of like then i started like doing like the, the whole men's wear accessories range which was really interesting for me to kind of learn about fabrics and learn about mm-hmm. like uh, other things like also like I did, I did bags I did shoes I did belts I did hats and gloves and mm-hmm. scarves and ties and everything yeah so a much much broader portfolio yeah. exactly so so the, the first thing was kind of like learning about like okay how how do I even do that like how do you like deal with different materials again 
at that point I'm kind of like aware enough to be like okay where do things come from and how how also like I always the thing the thing I learn over time is people is everything like you need to have the the real connection is between the people like mm-hmm. product and things you can develop with all kinds of people all kinds of parameters but if you don't trust the people or if you know like it just won't work so um an interesting thing was like i really found some really good suppliers i really loved mm-hmm. and i was just like yeah, yeah. i just wanted to work with them and really kind of build something that is in a relationship and again also from the business perspective like you kind of if if you can should be transparent the give and take obviously becomes a lot easier even though you normally can't be that transparent unfortunately which again was something that kind of started to build on me a bit and was like well we're really trying to yeah do this and kind of but there was always like this thing about like first thing it was like oh we need to spend like 20 cents less this season for this the same shoe and all that and then you start and then you start kind of not even compromising the quality, you really start to be like, and then we sell it for what? And how like how does that actually equate to be a service for a customer that pays yeah. like his good his money he he's earned for it? Yeah, yeah. And then those levels, the further it went along, the kind of more disproportionate it went, so to speak. So did did then, you get to a point where? You know, you've 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 now co-created a, a company with with a colleague, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, did you get to a point where you felt you had to break out of the established environment in order to do things you that were more closer to your heart? Could you? Was it a case that you couldn't do them within the the existing structures so easily? The yeah, in inst- existing structures, it's definitely kind of like a. It, it's just a rat race thing, right? You kind of like, you 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 want to squeeze the product and get more margin, and yeah, it, yeah. it's kind of like, again, like it's an economy thing, and you think like yeah, economy, yes. what does that even mean, and all that, but um, the reality is, yeah, it, within these existing structures, it was probably not possible to like do what you really could have done let's say that let's put it down that's where i'm trying to lead because you know my sense too is that there's got to be a lot of entrepreneurial activity in order to go to the beginning of the design cycle again and start over so that we can do the things that we now know we need to do but we haven't been doing you know this this whole difference between the linear economy which is the throughput economy you know as you say with all the tightness of margins and trying to just squeeze a little bit more every every year um it's it's hard to break out and and, and change yeah. the design parameters right you really you, like i said you're you're adding to your existing cost performance aesthetics dynamic which is a tough enough balance as it is you exactly. now say well now you've also got to do all of these sustainability related things which is a whole nother set of complexity to add on on, on top and yeah. it's easier not to do it than to do it it's also like like you said it's obviously well the thing is also like most people obviously you you have quarterly reviews of money right mm-hmm. i think that's, at least that's the main <laughs> Not, yeah or, yeah. Or right. <laughs> yeah yeah depending yeah. like where you are which environment yeah, you're in exactly and obviously the it's it's always about like hitting that target instead of actually like 
if you look over like the 10 years, if you can change, if you actually make the switch and then like in 10 years, what the value will be, not only for you, but for your customers or employees for like yeah. everything that goes with it in reality, nobody nobody looks at it that way or very few people not, not nobody, right well and i think with that people. with that linear throughput model too it's just all about getting the next sale and getting the next sale and exactly you know, we're going yeah. to come on in a minute to talk about you know making things last longer and, and repair yeah. and the things that you're doing now um i think people don't think about the lifetime value of a customer and yeah no you know, yeah. to me the the end of use of, of one product cycle can be a way to reconnect with your customer in order to Absolutely. get another sale but we're not interested in that we're only interested in the throughput and we have to advertise yeah. and spend the sort of monies that the nikes and the adidas and so on do in order yeah. to try and rem remind you that their brand is the one that you want to choose and not not some other exactly and rather than the the actual physical act of coming back to you saying, hey, your shoe must be pretty warm by now. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, are, you, are you ready for a new one? Or can I help you with, you know, and, and having a yeah, yeah. conversation. Um, Absolutely. Reintroduces yeah. you and your brand back to the, back to the person. Yeah. Well, so, you've, so you've made this switch now and you've, you've started a new company. Now tell us about that, how that started and, and how, you, how you evolved <laughs> to this place where you've, you've got repair. Um, as one of the one of the mantras, which has been missing from that whole market for a long time, and and I liked your um, wear, care, repair little you know, triplet <laughs> of phraseology, yeah, yeah. Uh, because yeah. it does just speak to different elements that have been missing. I mean, people most people don't care for their sneakers, right? they last as long as they last, and then you just get another pair. And the idea exactly. of repairing sneakers is hasn't been on the agenda. So so how, how did you exactly. get to so this has been the core of what you're doing now. Tell us about the new company. Yeah, so it was, um, so me and Catherine, um, we, we both studied in Switzerland, like industrial design. And we were kind of like different years and stuff. We, it was more like in the periphery that we actually knew from each other because I did a footwear project at the end of my um, studies and she kind of did a women's footwear project at the end of her studies. And she, we kind of connected through that a little bit. And then, um, she kind of uh when i was in london she was in london too for like uh doing a internship and then kind of like through my old boss who worked at armani she actually got a job at armani and then she worked for armani a little bit and then through armani she went to oslo and worked for um swims in oslo for five six years um, and it was just kind of like through throughout all these um years we kind of were i was in london she was kind of like traveling a mm -hmm. bit and Obviously, she did a lot of, in China with them swimming and then a lot of manufacturing there, and we we just we just started having conversations about like what we experience and kind of the, the obviously the endlessness of like oh let's do blue this season let's do yellow this season let's do gray this season like who cares kind of thing but you need to kind of be updating it because to constantly want something new and like what you said is kind of like you're just driving basically single time purchases through people's lives and hope yeah. that they and fast come fashion back, this come whole notion of fast fashion has just Ex pushed that exactly. even even further and now yeah, we don't yeah, even yeah, barely wear a t-shirt before we're buying the next one exactly all the tongues that go into landfill and all that don't even need to talk about so 
and with with footwear because it's kind of in reality it's such a personal it's such a personal item mm-hmm. and if again like if you look back in history like not a lot of people had shoes at a certain point and then when you had shoes it was something that you really treasured because also obviously it protected your feet you were kind of looking after it it became part of your lifestyle because you were wearing them a lot and you had to like wear them in and so on and so forth and um, obviously now fast forward to kind of like sneaker world and fast fashion and like new technologies and everything um all these elements kind of got lost right because like there's there's a shoe for every discipline in the world you can think of which is not necessarily a bad thing like i'm not saying like high performance shoes it's interesting there's a lot of development there's like great developments made um but obviously it never starts with kind of like what happens at the end it always starts like let's do a new color and a new design a new feature and a new thing and that's basically what you're pushing and at the end what happens to it is just just it's like the typical product design curve i mean you know one of the things i'm writing about that i haven't says a lot about in my writing that is I've been doing a lot of thinking about birth, growth, and death. This is the fundamental yeah. life cycle of nature, yeah. right? And we have a parallel in marketing that you, you design something, you're birthing your, your new yeah. shoe right now, and you're going to hopefully grow it. And at a certain point, it will peak. And if nothing else happens to it, it will have some, some time period in which it becomes yeah. outdated and you have to reinvent it. I mean, this is the, this is the invention curve that you have to get onto. So, for us, how did you come up with this idea of the first repairable sneaker brand? Because this is the point of differentiation. Yeah. So we were at the beginning. We kind of like we talked about a lot about like traceability. You know, obviously, leather at the moment has a very diverse rep. Let's call it that. About like a lot of people are saying like, chrome oh, tanning it's from an anim- like this, yeah. exactly it's coming from an animal. Like it gets tanned. It's like mm-hmm. bad for the environment because it uses so much water and so on and so forth. There's nothing to be said about that necessarily. Like obviously the meat industry is problematic. Like we all know that there's too many, too much livestock on our earth. It's a fact. Um, but then to say like leather is bad because leather is kind of like after an animal gets slaughtered, you either leave it over and kind of let it rot, fine, it goes back to earth, or you make like precious, nice material out of it. That is for things like shoes, in my opinion, so the best material to use because it has the softness, it has like the moisture absorption, it has like um, breathability and all in it, if you do it right, mm-hmm. and that's the beauty of it. So. Um, so that was kind of like the starting point and also like the traceability of leather in terms of we found a Swiss um, uh, Swiss designer did literally trace it back to the cow where it came from and you had like a stamp and all that and that was kind of like the beginning of it where we saw like traceability and kind of make things just clear and use really premium great materials that will last you longer mm-hmm. yeah. and then the longer we, we were talking to people about it and saw like kind of the flaws a shoe in reality has it's such a complex thing right it has like over 200 steps to build a shoe to make a shoe and then you're like you have this piece and everything is attached together and you kind of have to throw the whole thing away 
because there's nothing you can kind of exchange or repair or do anything to it. Mm-hmm. So we started just playing around with like, oh, obviously the soul unit is kind of problematic. It always wears out. So what do you do with it? How can you, certain pieces, can they be replaced? Can they be adjusted? Um, and in reality, the, the whole um, top piece idea, which we made replaceable now, in reality comes from a dress shoe that is like a kind of bench made. Right, like a heel piece on a dress shoe, you can always like take off, repair, and don't right. on a beige and shoe. This is what we did. Repair the whole years ago. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Again, it's kind of like it goes back to the when you cared about it, when the quality was there to really like be like, well, I actually want to look after this. Yeah. I remember of- my father would come back from work, and um, he was a shift worker, and you know, sometimes right. he'd be on that night shift and he'll get in at six a.m. in the morning, and when I wake up. He's there with his, you know, cleaning the shoes and, and yeah. polishing the shoes, putting the leather polish on the shoes. And everybody yeah. had shiny shoes. But that was part of the caring piece, which we've in a way got, a, got exactly. away from. Yeah. But I like so your, whole, I like so your, like, um, your phraseology of that it's made to last. I mean, as a, you know, as an English person, I'm very pedantic on the use of English and the, and the use of words. <laughs> And so I, I like the play on words of made to last because, of course, shoes are made on a last, right? You know, that's, last, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I like that dual, dual language piece of <laughs> made to last yeah. because it's made on a last. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so get into a little bit then of the, 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 the launch of the new shoe and, and what, what you built into it and, and uh, yeah. what are your plans are. So... We basically, we basically looked at the shoe overall. We kind of deconstructed it a little bit, found that top piece replacement would be possible in a sneaker because the sole unit allows for that discrepancy and kind of the built-in mechanism. So we were like, okay, that's a cool feature. Then on the upper, as I said already, it's kind of, we want to use leather that's actually just really nice leather that you can care for and then also like, wear for a long time and it will look good so you don't have to be like oh it just looks shabby like what do i do with the shoe um, and then like small pieces like the the uh the footbed was also something we kind of felt um compelled to like do something about the pu inserts that are normally kind of in there just like general sports soles and things and kind of again went almost back to the bench made and said like well let's use a cork footbed that's actually that will almost give you like a personal footbed insert because over time you wear it. Will, it, it, will, it will mold your own foot. Exactly. Yeah. And it will be beautiful to wear and everything. Um, and then the, the, the heel counter pieces that you can replace is more because the, normally on the heel obviously you have the most friction and rubbing and a lot of, again... And often often wears on with, one side. Exactly. And you kind of... Yeah. Exactly. And you just wear that off and then what again what you do aligning can't be repaired really so we just made that piece exchangeable so and also then it becomes obviously also a bit of a design piece with different colors and things um so kind of everything and then the the last piece is kind of like the lace and we found a lace that's kind of made out of tensile which grows quite fast and then also it's basically a compostable lace so you can almost Mm -hmm. like yeah put in the compost and it will like just degrade and also obviously the lace is probably the thing that 
wears out the first and things like that. So these are kind of like the components we, we put into the shoe and really kind of started thinking like the layers of like what we want to do and how we want to decompose it. And then we made prototypes, like we found um, a great partner in Italy that kind of um, I knew through uh, my former job. And he really helped us like finding a great um, factory and a great um, soul maker who also like was up for the challenge because it's just me and Catherine and like we're not, yeah, we don't have like the money to all of this and things. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So part again, the partnership came because I knew him and we mm-hmm. had like a very good um, conversation about it and everything. So he, he got on fire and was like, it's a great idea. Let's do it. And all our partners are really in the boat and you can feel that. And um, it's very important. And we're very thankful, obviously, for that too. That they, yeah, they have the same or, sensibility. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. That they want to help us push this and um, be part of it. So um, for me, one of the so interesting things is about shoes and I, you know, if I'm if I'm on a stage and I'm talking to people and I'm I'm trying to explain some of the issues behind um, you know what the circular economy is and the idea of the biological cycle and the technical cycle for yeah. all the things that we haven't designed to flow in any cycle, um, yeah. I will often you know stomp about the stage and say, yeah. look, I'm, I'm walking across the stage and I'm banging my feet on the floor to make a noise to make a point. And saying what's happening and what's happening to the soles of my shoes and of course they get it they say it wears out it's wearing out okay what does people don't think beyond the words right so what does yeah. it mean wear out well it means it went into the environment it didn't just disappear yeah. right, in, into the universe somewhere it's still there it's on earth wherever you were walking it's there's bits of my my soles of my shoes now on this stage yeah. have you any idea what the soles of my shoes are made from is it good that you are sat there, you know, a few feet from me, breathing in whatever it is that's coming off my shoes as I walk up and down the stage? Yeah. And it's just a way of getting people to think about things that they never think about. You don't yeah, think yeah. about your shoes wearing out. It just happens, right? Exactly. And yet, yeah, yeah. For you as a designer, the choice of the material that you decided to use, it could be just for cost, performance, and aesthetic reasons, and might not have any environmental sensibility at all. You might be using a lead stabilizer if you weren't yeah, a yeah. thinking designer which clearly you are yeah. <laughs> um and you're putting lead out into the world which is the wrong thing to do and so it, it's a i use one of the reasons i wanted to talk to you is because i use footwear you know in in my just in my general conversation to try and make some of these points because it's something everyone can relate to they all have a pair of sneakers yeah of course of course so that's and that's exactly it like we kind of we Obviously, the other thing I also openly admit there is, you know, it's not that the shoe is kind of perfect. Like, it, if you think circular, obviously the sole will wear out at some point. The nice thing is you can replace all these pieces while yeah. they deteriorate and then you get a new life cycle out of it, which yeah. is obviously the key part. So you have like three, four, maybe even five times the life cycle of a normal sneaker, yeah. which I is would a great say start. You, I would say use cycle, you see, because you, your shoe Please. isn't alive. <laughs> yeah, that is that is that's true. my that that's is. my pedantic use of English. <laughs> <laughs> that is very. Um, um, so, so where are you in the? You know, to say yeah. something a little about the company, where people can find out more yeah. about what you're doing, and where yeah, you so are the, in, the that, comp- in that first launch. Yeah. So uh, the company is called Win Sneakers. Um, website is win.one. Um, have a look, read up on it, and 
we are I'll, I'll put a link in the notes to the podcast when i uh, perfect when i do it and um, we are um kind of pre-launch everything so we what we did is like we we did prototypes we were testing them for nine months to really see like does this thing actually work or not it does so that's um great and now we're kind of like obviously fine-tuning a few things um so we're hoping to go live with a a pre-order scheme where you will be like get basically an exclusive first shoe um, and there will be like some extra pieces to it which i won't reveal now because okay. <laughs> will, uh, you'll have to come like, back for another podcast when you're ready to reveal <laughs> exactly so i'll show um, you um, actually while you while you just tell that i'll yeah. show you i know the people who are listening won't be able to see what we're seeing on our, yeah. our video here but i did exactly that this do you know this company no i don't actually rens hashtag rens r-e-n-s and right. uh, i bought these recently it was the same sort of thing it was um a first run production of a new shoe made with oh, okay. recycled materials and also made from coffee grounds parts, oh, of, the, okay. parts of the material so it's the same idea yeah. and, and i'm really i really want to you know encourage more entrepreneurism like exactly like what you're doing and to encourage people to look at these ideas and say look they're not all perfect right we're not talking about the perfectly designed circular economy shoe that's completely yeah, sustainable yeah. But we're looking at evolutionary steps, big evolutionary steps along the way to introduce some of these more circular aspects in a way that hasn't been put in before. And now yeah, we've, we've yeah. moved from nothing to 20%, to 40%, to whatever in stages. And yeah, as we exactly. learn more and as more people have the sensibility to buy these better shoes, then you'll be able to do another iteration with the second design and the third design and so on. Exactly. We just, we just so what's your, what's your timeline? What do you, what's your yeah. expected timeline? So we, for hope, this, this we hope we'll get, um, we go live with the pre-order stage in like about probably two weeks. So um, mid oh, that's pretty close. May, mid kind of end May. Um, and then we will, we'll just basically open up the doors for um, pre-orders. Yeah. Hopefully we'll get a load of it, and then um, we'll start. I know you're going to be selling them worldwide. We will. We'll probably try to do Europe, but now that right. we're on the U.S. podcast, <laughs> it's no. The, the thing is, like with with a few shipments to wherever, it doesn't really matter that much. It yeah. becomes obviously, obviously, if we get great volume, even better, then we can do whatever we want <laughs> any, anyway. But um. So yeah, the idea is kind of like the shipping, additional shipping, and so on. Yeah, exactly, and taxes and things that are a bit like yeah, yeah. more difficult. But it, yeah, it's it's all solvable. If somebody wants a shoe, we'll, we won't be like, oh no, no, you can't have it because you're. <laughs> yeah, um, good. But we will, we will, we will. Um, generally, we're more because we will be. So I'm UK based, and my partner is Swiss based, and we yeah. have um, all the partners in the team that are um, also Swiss based. So we'll kind of probably do Europe mainly. But yeah, obviously yeah, open sense. to the world, world, and then um, so that the pre-launch comes up. It's yeah, pretty exciting. Obviously, we're kind of yeah preparing for that and trying to um, make that happen. And then um, we will do basically the idea is then having a hopefully September delivery date for these first rounds, and then uh, make a big um big announcement of like launching the other style at that point where we then probably have a, few, a bit of stock 
on the website and then we can order it kind of normal yeah, then, more routine more routine basically. exactly and then the outlook kind of like going like this in, in terms of like circularity and things we are um looking at hopefully partnering up with somebody here in the uk that um might be able to basically replace the souls as well so mm -hmm. you can basically take mm -hmm. off the soul mm -hmm. put a whole new soul on it the technicality of it is not yet clear and things so that's very early stages and then even like further in the future when we're looking at it we um we're thinking obviously about 3d printing and stuff and kind of once materials come available especially for the heel piece itself if you if we open source that and like people can literally print it at home and replace mm. it and mm. play with it if they want to and do all kinds of stuff um yeah so that's a bit of a um, future music probably but as an idea and also like the the materialization of the, the soul unit again a lot of um kind of rubber like materials are being like developed tested that are a lot more kind of responsible so to speak and mm -hmm. we're using um, a tpu at the moment at least tpu can kind of recycle as a whole if you want to so that's which is yeah I, like i said the first step and there's yeah. probably 50 well, this is this is steps necessary. Come, i think but... people have to understand that we're going to go through transitions it's, yeah. it's um, you know we didn't get to where we are today in one design iteration right we have exactly exactly thousands upon thousands of design iterations to get to where we are so it's it's unrealistic to expect to get where we are in one go i i i there's a you know i spent um 17 years working with bill mcdonough the architect and designer the author mm. of the book cradle to cradle with his colleague uh, dr michael Bongart. and one of the things i liked and that's always stuck with me from from the many many things that bill said that have stuck with me is that design is the first signal of human intention that's one of his signature statements and i think it you know i can see it in the thinking you know you have an intentionality in your design to try and do it better than has been done before and to incorporate some of these things and i think this is another idea that people have to get into their minds of well, what's my intention even as a, a user and a purchaser of a shoe well my intention is to support people who I think are doing the right thing. That's why I bought the shoes that I just showed you and yeah, why yeah. I'm interested in your shoe, right? I mean, I'm yeah. interested in getting people to try things that they haven't tried before that are moving in this right direction. Because that's, yeah, it's only then when it's taken up and that you're successful that you'll be able to do the second iteration. <laughs> of course, of course. And that's, that's where we are right now. Obviously, at the moment, it's the two of us that are trying to, like, fund this like i said i have family and yeah she's yeah she's living in switzerland like doing the part-time jobs and things like both kind of freelancing and just doing things on the side and it's you know but it again it's, it's something um you know at some point you kind of like need to listen to your heart and need to be like what like what is my intention as in exactly. what i'm doing like yeah, and that's I'm, where your passion, designing your passion something. comes. Exactly. Passion comes through through your design, and that intentionality yeah. is made made real through a physical thing we're now calling a shoe. Yeah, exactly. It's about like obviously getting to a happy place where you like this is just what I want to do because it's also to like for me it's like almost the first product that can like I can go to people and like 
this is the best shoe you'll find on the market for that price level and like what it is it's like like what else do you want it's almost like the yeah, question exactly. like if if you look if you look across the board of like whatever price range you're looking at um obviously it will be will be like in the i don't know if we call it us dollars it's probably probably 420 or something it's not going to be a cheap shoe but it can't be and in reality if you buy five shoes in that lifespan you know it's all about like um points of view and how you look at it and then you start thinking actually if i love it it's a very classic design it's like a beautiful shoe it's really well made it's made in italy and, and like, comfortable right and you, you get the exactly you get all those elements right i mean obviously people and you can replace with... everything and like you can you know you can take care of it you can you can make it's all bit we at, at some point we almost said like well we had the care of your shoes like back over to you like it's in your hands like yeah i can't do anything i had the intention for you to like get the best shoe you can it's up to you now in your hands literally like caring right, right. for it it's in like, your feet you know, it's also in your feet right <laughs> on the, yeah yeah that's true yeah well good well i you know i really like the idea of uh, of the of the first repairable sneaker brand um I, I wish you well with your partner with your endeavors i you know keep let's keep in touch and uh, yeah send me the details of when when you can give me the insight as to what this these special extra bonuses are for <laughs> for the first movers and i'll i'll definitely promote it with you and um, well i can yeah i mean i can i can reveal it here it's like it's we um, basically we partnered with um one of the best um brunello makers like red wine in uh in umbria so he's kind of like listed in the top 30 or something of the winemakers. Mm -hmm. so we, we we have a exclusive bottle of wine because that's also craft longevity sure. passion yeah, yeah. um well, and, and I like so that you were very early on. You you use the word to so use the word beauty, because I think this is this is an element that people tend to forget. You know, I, I talk a lot about trying to be more good, and not just being less bad, because that's one of the other mm. things I learned from my time with Bill and Michael. Is that you know, everybody's just trying to be less bad. If we have twenty five percent less carbon dioxide emissions, okay, good. You you're less bad yeah. than you were before, but you're still bad, right? You haven't yet learned yeah. how to become good. And I think beauty and positivity and you know regeneration these are all words that are on the positive side of the ledger and I yeah, think this is this is where i think we have to go and um, i like the fact that you've used your evolution as a designer and your experience and your connections to weave it all together you know, in, into one new new design yeah. so I, I will um, make sure to put the the website on on with the podcast and um Let's continue to talk and uh, and you know cross pollinate things through LinkedIn and other and other ways, and uh, I look forward to seeing the the real thing later in the year. Yeah, definitely, we'll get there. <laughs> thank you very much for for your time and thank you for having me. And it's a pleasure to yeah just have a talk about it. It's like you know, I think I think it's it's an important time to just as people especially like seem to have a bit more time or use their time differently let's call it that um, yeah yeah people can listen to some things that they wouldn't exactly. maybe otherwise do so and i'm working a lot in south america and i'm really interested in taking these ideas into 
the parts of the world that don't have that same developed um, you know, capacity that we, you know, we would find yeah. in Milan or in, in, in yeah, Switzerland yeah. or London, uh, you know, here in the New York, you've, obviously you've got these big fashion capitals of the world where there's, there's more of this sensibility and understanding. Um, but the social situation is different. And so the idea of being able to repair things and care for things, you can have people employed who do this too. So yeah, um, that's, yeah, you know, this, that's this is true. a big, the social side is a big consideration in South America, but I, so, you know, I have to think about how things work in different localities as well as how they work in the, the mechanical sense of the biological cycle or the technical cycle. They also have to work in a, in a place. I think yeah, people yeah. forget that, you know, in, in the end, all sustainability is local. And if of your course. shoe ends up yeah. in, in London, then the sustainability and the next use of the materials and what happens, happens in London. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't happen in Italy, even if that's where it was made. Yeah, of course. Okay. And so the, Depends the, local, where yeah, yeah, where is the local situation is also another dimension we have to think about. Yeah. Well, this is great. Yeah. I've really enjoyed yeah. talking with you and yeah. um, thank you for your time. And um, yeah. thank you for designing into the future, which is an important thing. And I, I hope that the entrepreneurial spirit that you're embodying um, is... Uh, is able to be picked up by by people and they'll do the same and uh, whether it's their full-time job or a part-time gig or something they do on the side i think we all have to try and play a part in creating this this better world that we all seek thanks again to stefan mathis from vin you will find in the write-up with the audio here uh, the web link to the website where you can become a winner and uh, find out more about what's going on with the new first repairable sneaker brand. This is Ken Alston with the Circularity Edge podcast for signing off for now and see you next time. You've been listening to the Circularity Edge podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Google Play to get new, fresh weekly episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or visit our website at www.circularityedge.com. Until next time, bye Circular.